And welcome to another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. It is the beginning of what will be a very special edition of Hitting for the Cycle. We have a Subway Series roundtable coming up later on in the show with three special guests coming on to join at about 10, 15 minutes or so. But first, I would like to give you guys the honors of letting you know to please give us a follow on all of our forms of social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And of course, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. But before I like to get into the uh, Subway Series discussion, we have got a comment for you. John Rankin, who was uh, Tom's guest on Review and Preview. Hank, 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 Hank. Thank you for checking in, John. I hope you're all, I hope you're doing well. And um, geez, I appreciate the love from you in the comment section. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, let's get right into some of the meat and potatoes of tonight's discussion. And uh we're going to start off by talking off some of the league leaders in the MLB right now. As you know, I usually like to start off some episodes discussing this every few weeks because it seems to change a little bit. But I'm going to start off by talking about the batting average. Number one is Nick Castellanos. He's leading the entire league with a 344 batting average. Right behind him is Vlad Jr. at 343. He's having an amazing MVP season and not too far behind him. You got Michael Brantley of the Houston Astros, 340. You see, you'll notice on this list there are multiple Astros. Yuli Goriel is hitting 328. In between Brantley and Goriel, you got Xander Bogarts hitting at 3 329 for the Boston Red Sox, and also Adam Frazier of the Pirates, 327. Jesse Winker, Nick Castellanos' teammate, not surprised he's on this list. He's hitting 326, one of the leading vote getters for the National League in the All Star game. And number eight is a guy who, in my honest opinion, is one of the more underrated hitters in the American League. That's Cedric Mullins. I think he should be one of the starters for the All-Star game. Obviously, it's a shame he doesn't really get talked about a lot because he's with the Baltimore Orioles. But nevertheless, he's a guy that I really think is has emerged as one of the better hitters over the course of a few years. And it's really amazing to see how he's done. And uh, obviously, you got Trey Turner and Brian Reynolds rounding out the top 10 of this list. And home runs. Shohei Otani actually took that list. He had multiple home runs against the Yankees this week. And... I'll obviously be talking a little bit more about that with my guests later on. And of course, not too far behind him. You got Vlad Guerrero, who again, another guy who is in serious discussion for the MVP talks as is Otani, of course. And speaking of MVPs, Fernando Tatis is having an awesome season for the San Diego Padres. He's really starting to break through and we've really been seeing him progress as over the years. And not to mention, you got Kyle Schwarber who, he hit a lot of home runs against the New York Mets in this past series. They 
Nationals took what, like five out of the six games they played against the Mets, including a makeup game that happened not too long ago. He's on fire. So are the Nationals. And you also got Ronald Acuna, another possible MVP candidate. Adolis Garcia with 20. He's pro- most likely going to win the American League Rookie of the Year award come the season's end. He's probably the lone bright spot of the Texas Rangers. And then rounding it out, Matt Olson, Rafael Devers, best catcher in the American League, Salvador Perez, Marcus Simeon, and again, Jesse Winker. So pretty good names up there. And let's get to RBIs. Vlad Guerrero leads that category with 66. And Rafael Devers, not too far behind him. Not surprised to see some Red Sox. They're a pretty big free-swinging team around there. Shohei Otani with 63. He He's another guy who I think has some consideration with the MVP. Really good hitter. And pitching-wise, he's been pretty solid aside from his start last night. But, of course, we know he got bailed out in the ninth inning with the Yankee meltdown. But that's a story for another day. Other guys in the RB, RBI list, Adam Duvall, Fernando Tatis, Adolis Garcia, Randall Gritchuk, J.D. Martinez, another Red Sox. Not surprised to see him there. He's a guy who really likes to study his swing. And, again, can the Red Sox, bunch of free swingers, great lineup right there. Not not too – I am surprised they're in first place, but I'm not when you consider the lineup that they have. Will it, what is it sustainable? I don't know. And Jose Abreu at the end with 53. Now let's get to the pitching categories. Aaron Savali of the Cleveland Indians is tied with Kyle Hendricks in, in that category. Unfortunately, Savali is going to be out for a while. He had a finger sprain, so that's going to be a pretty big blow to the Cleveland Indians, especially when you look at some of the other injuries they have. And Kyle Hendricks has been the league leading pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. He's got 10 wins. Not too far behind, you got a pretty big cluster. Clayton Kershaw, Julio Orias, two Dodgers, not too far from him. You also have Trevor Bauer and Walker Bueller with eight wins and uh, Chris Bassett of the Oakland A's won eight games and also Garrett Cole, whether or not it's with spider attack, who knows, but all that matters. He's got eight wins. Giants have a few pretty respectable starters. Anthony Desclafani and Kevin Gossman are tied with eight wins. Big reasons to why the Giants are currently in first place in the L West, not too far behind them. Nathan Yavaldi, a former Yankee cast off and Zach Greinke of Houston, who, Despite what's been going on with the Astros losing Jose, Jose, or sorry, Justin Verlander, he's been a decent ace for the Astros and probably a big reason why they're still in first place. But not to mention, you got a pretty good lineup of a lot of experienced postseason guys. So, again, say what you want about them, trash cans or not. Astros are a pretty good, good team for first place. And let's take a look at the ER leaders. Jacob deGrom, 0.69. That is a record for pitchers with an ERA this early in the season. Unreal. And it's funny to say that Kevin Gossman's ERA is a distant second, especially considering it's under two. But, you know, that that's the kind of season that Jacob deGrom's been having, you know. It, and it tells you something about, you know, how good he is. And not too far behind him, you got Brandon Woodruff. Big reason the Milwaukee Brewers have been a competitor in the National League. And then Kyle Gibson, Max Scherzer still got a 2.14. There was talks that Max Scherzer would be traded to an American League or any big contender in baseball. But obviously, since the Nationals have been winning a lot of games, it seems to me those talks have died down. He's tied with Trevor Rogers for fifth and sixth spot. And then not too far behind, Freddie Peralta, Zach Wheeler, and Walker Bueller. And uh, Taewon Walker of the Mets is at 10. And Again, that goes to show you what kind of pitching the Mets have. And we'll be seeing them on Friday, weather permitting, if that game gets in. Hopefully it does. And uh, 
strikeouts, of course. Trevor Bauer is still leading the league in that. I'm not going to get into what happened to him just recently. All I know is it's a very awful situation, and yeah, not going to comment any further. But otherwise, behind him, Shane Bieber, 130. Zach Wheeler, again, that that's another guy that low-key has been a pretty solid acquisition for the Phillies. Unfortunately, besides him and Nola, you don't really have much there, and their bullpen, what can I say? It's been a gas can, but you know, that's the Phillies. They really don't seem to know how to spend their money or build the team the right way. And, you know, not too far behind Wheeler, Garrett Cole, 129. Again, say what you want about spider attack. Still pretty high total. Clayton Kershaw may not be in his prime anymore. He's still got it. And I think the Dodgers are a pretty strong contender for the National League West. And not to mention, you got Tyler Glass now, 123. Oh my gosh. Can you, I bet the pirates are really kicking themselves for that trade. Now, granted, that's not a team that develops pitchers. Well, but still it, yeah, it makes them wonder, but behind him, obviously Jacob deGrom's on that list and then finish off with Scherzer and Brandon Woodruff. And before I get to anything else, let's get to a comments. We got a lot of them today. David Guyette says, good evening. Good evening, David. How are you doing? My mom commented in happy Thursday. You were awesome. Thanks, Mom. There's a reason you are one of, if not my biggest fan of this show. Appreciate you. John Rankin says, I just wanted to stop in before I get out here and drive in sloppy hot Vegas. Hey, man, I don't blame you. That's the right way to spend your Thursday nights, you know? Glad to check in and talk some baseball. Otani is a better hitter. Stop with the pitching. I mean, look, yesterday's game against the Yankees proved that that's really true. He's an amazing hitter, and that's why he's the league leader among the uh, MVPs. John Rankin again, Tatis, there is no MLB, the show 21 curse. Look, I don't know about you. I don't really believe in curses, but all I know is Fernando Tatis is at an elite level when it comes to MLB shortstops. Is he the best? I don't know, but you know, we'll see. Only time will tell how, how much more of that potential that we get with him. And uh, David Guyette, I'm a huge Yankees fan, but they need to start doing some firings and it starts with Cashin. Listen, man, I don't know who we're going to replace him with as general manager, but it's hard for me to really disagree because if you look at the moves that Brian Cashman has made over the course of the past few years, it's led the Yankees to where they are. And, you know, as much as I don't necessarily want to make a big deal out of it, if um, he does get fired, I'm not going to be crying any tears if they let him go. Let's put it that way. Yankee meltdowns reminds me of the past few seasons and the playoffs for Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, you know, it's funny you should mention that because Vegas has made a lot of deep runs over the past couple years. And, you know, it, it does kind of remind me of the Yankees in the sense because the Yankees, within like the last half of the past decade, they'll make good playoff runs, but then they'll always lose one or two games. And uh, let me give you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder. Dom, Paul, and Tom will be coming on shortly. We will be starting the Subway Series roundtable very soon. And uh, Tom wanted to say a little hi to JR. J- John Rankin, thank you so much for sending those comments. You were you were awesome on Review and Preview last night. And, hey, I don't know where your baseball was at, but I would love to have you on this show for a future episode. But in any event, he also says, hi, Cindy Rodriguez. Thank you for uh, viewing my friend's show. And John says, hi, back. James Montefusco, it's the GOAT. Well, look, I can't correct you, James. Jacob deGrom's ERA and his numbers speak for himself. He is... There's no doubt he's going to win the Cy Young Award. And I would even, you could even maybe make the argument that he can be a National League MVP because without him, are the Mets in first place? The answer, probably not. And uh, Mets look smart for not taking Bauer. Yeah, I agree. And look, I said it, I said the same thing before the 
before the season started. The Mets would have been better off laying off of Trevor Bauer. However, me saying that wasn't necessarily for the reasons that you're talking about right now. I just thought that, you know, being in a big market like New York, you know, fans are going to turn on him. But in any event, a few more comments from John Ragan. The Subway Series, one team who blew up. Oh, gosh, you're killing me, John. One team who blew a big lead in the ninth. I'm not going to repeat what he said after that. Yeah, he is a good pitcher. No, he's not a good pitcher. He is a great pitcher. He's actually the best pitcher in the National League. But you know what? I think now it's time for the moment that you have all been waiting for. The Subway Series Roundtable. We've got th- I've got three really good friends who I'm bringing on as guests. And you know what? I'm going to start this by bringing them on one by one. Our first guest is the man, the main host of Review and Preview, the one and only Tom Scavetta. Tom, making your heading for the cycle debut. How's it going? What's up, Hank? You know, it's my birthday month, so it's July 1st. So thank you very much for having me. First time on Hitting for the Cycle. Honored to be here. Honored to turn the page towards July. Hopefully better things are to come for the Mets because that division lead is getting inched away day by day. So I'm very concerned. Hey, you and me both with the birthday month. We got to do something fun in the middle of the month. (laughs) Our next guest is another fellow member of Review and Preview. You can catch him on Mondays hosting 3 and D, but he is also a hard, another hardcore Mets fan. That would be Paul Lombardi. Paul, how's it going? What it do, baby? <laughs> well, I like the jersey you got. What player are you repping? Got Jeff McNeil on. Um, McNizzle, as we call him. <laughs> yeah, I know. The Mets, we're, you know, we're falling behind a little bit. You know, only a couple game lead, but it's, we're, we're holding in there. Excited. Thanks for having me on, Hank. Excited to talk some Mets Yankees. And my mom just left a funny comment here. It's Henry's birthday month, too, I should know. Yeah, obviously you know that for reasons that we both know. But any event, one more guest that we've got coming on, that would be the one and only Dom Daniele, who I've had in previous episodes talking baseball with. Might as well split it out with another fellow Yankee fan. Dom, what is good, my man? What's up, Hank? It's pretty good. I'm really excited to have you guys on. I have been planning to do a Subway Series discussion with you guys pretty much since this show came into fruition. And, um, Tom, I appreciate the love from you, too. And um, John says, come on to my Twitch. We would throw down some Bruce. I would love that, man. It, you live all the way in Las Vegas. Maybe a long flight for me, but that would be a lot of fun. But in any event, this was a pretty up and down weekend for both of us. Well, mostly down for me, but Tom and Paul, you guys kind of had an up and down weekend. You had a series split against the Phillies where not a lot of runs were scored. In fact, I actually went to the Friday night doubleheader. One of my friends invited me to that game at City Field. My first time at City Field, I believe since I want to say mid-August of 2019. It was a lot of fun. It was a pretty good atmosphere. And I ran into a few other good friends that day. And, um, you know, Both games were pretty interesting because it was like a doubleheader split, not a lot of runs scored, two extra innings. But, uh, Paul, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts about this Philly series? I thought the Mets should have at least won, to be honest with you. I I thought that it was like – I, you know, I thought that it was really good. Um, I thought that there was a lot of positives to take away from it. Uh, There was 
it, obviously the entire series didn't come out the way that we wanted, but you know, I think there was definitely a lot of positives to take away from it. Um, you know, we were beaten up. Uh, the hitting obviously wasn't there, but you know, even the you know Degrom getting hit around a little bit. But we saw some we saw some good play. You know, we saw a good defense. We saw some positive signs too. You know, Pete's bat started getting going, and it's kind of like hopped over into this series now too. You know, Pete's finally starting to get going, and McCann's starting to get going a little bit. You know, Lindor had a, a good game too. So it was a disappointing series, but there was some positives to take away. Um, we always beat up on the Phillies. Their bullpen is terrible. So uh, I, I have no uh, I have no doubts that we're not going to keep that going to onto the season. More just focused on the Braves right now. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did not understand why the Phillies still employed Hector Neris as their closer for a long time, yeah. but I guess I guess I can see why they didn't use him as their closer in the first game of that series. And we know what happened in game three of that series. He imploded. They actually he actually bailed out Jacob DeGrong from getting an undeserved loss. And uh, you know, it's funny looking at that game because I believe he actually had what would be quote unquote his worst start of the season, giving up only two earned runs. I it's it's really amazing when you consider how how many more wins he doesn't have. Like how does this team not score enough for him? And um, Tom, what 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 is your thoughts on Jacob Degrom? Uh, my thoughts on Jacob Degrom. Well, he's the best pitcher in baseball, undoubtedly. I know he's had uh, some injury issues this season, on and off. Um, he's slated to pitch tonight, actually, against Ian Anderson, which should be a very very interesting matchup for the Mets. Um, you know, it, it's awkward making my debut coming off a 20 to two loss, but we're going to keep it as positive as possible. Um, the Grom is poised to make three starts before the all-star break, including the final Sunday before the break. So what's crazy is my thoughts on Jacob, the He should be the first all-star like just officially named. But what's crazy is he won't play in the all-star yeah, game with gonna. the way things are going right now. Him starting on Sunday means he'll be unavailable to pitch in the All-Star game. Now, as far as the run support goes, Paul mentioned just a few moments ago, Pete Alonso has been hitting nearly 400 over the past week. He's only struck out a couple of times, I think twice, and home run hitters tend to strike out a lot. He's seeing the ball a lot better. He's putting it in play, 13 home runs. Outside of him, though, and James McCann beginning to pick up his bat, uh, DeGrom doesn't get run support. Uh, whether we like it or not, Dom and Hank, you guys should know, if the Grom was on the Yankees, he'd have oh, probably over 100 career wins by now. Probably. <laughs> well, yeah, in, pre- in previous years, not this year. Probably. Not this no, year, though. This year, You're right. Not, not this, this year. year. Oh, not this year. Well, but, yeah, in, but, event, in any <laughs> event, sorry to interrupt you guys. I'm actually going to read off Pete Alonzo's stats since you mentioned it. I – as always, as you guys know, I like to have my baseball reference page open on my extra tab. So in the last seven games, he's actually hitting 391, two home runs, five RBIs, nine hits, and he's only struck out three times. Even yeah. so, that's still pretty impressive. And I think if Pete gets going, I think that's a big thing for their lineup. I know Lindor has been on and off, but otherwise, I think the Mets offense definitely needs to step it up and we'll see what they can do over the course of the trade deadline. But, Dom, now I think it's time to get to you. We got to commiserate about our Yankees here. And um, this weekend, brutal. You get swept by the Red Sox. 
I don't know what to say, man. Not good. And like, I mean, I'm not surprised that they lost, even though I technically did predict the Yankees to maybe win two out of three when I had Sam and Danny on last week. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm surprised that it was another disaster. Now, of course, what I am kind of surprised about was Garrett Cole's debacle on Sunday. He gave up a leadoff home run to Kike Hernandez, and then a few batters later, he gave up a three-run bomb to Rafael Devers, who he's another Red Sox that's in a long line of Yankee killers. By oh, the way. yeah. I still – that guy's frustrating. But, you know, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on Garrett Cole. Are you worried about him over the course of the season? Because you look at his last start, his spin rate, it's declining. And, like, now that people know about the spider tack, it's going to get really ugly. Yeah, I mean, you could tell, obviously, by the spin rate and also just his confidence is down. I think all, that also is because the team is just not motivated. And I just think, like, uh, he just he doesn't look like the same Garrett Cole that he used to be. He's just not, like, he's not he's just not pitching well. You know, I, I am, of course, I'm nervous. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, me too, especially when this is the guy that you're shelling out $324 million to see nail it every fifth day and when you look at the other other members of the pitching rotation it's pretty flimsy at best I mean Jordan Montgomery has been on and off like Corey Kluber was decent but then after the no hitter he had the injury and we don't know when he's going to be back possibly August if the at the earliest if we're lucky and yeah and then you have Domingo Herman he's been really struggling yeah and also Tyone too if you this entire season he's maybe had about maybe three or four decent starts giving like going maybe five, six innings. Other than that, he just, he gets, he implodes. He's just, he's not the guy that I thought we were going to get. Yeah, no, it's, it's a pitching rotation. That's like really, really fragile. The more I really think about it. And you know, the worst part is much like what I kind of touched on with Tom and Paul about the Mets. I think the offense is really the big problem because it's not so much that they can't hit. We know that they can hit. We know they're capable of home runs. My biggest issue is it's something that I've seen year in and year out. You get guys on first and second, no outs. Safest bet in Vegas, he hits another double play, two outs, rally yep. killer. It's 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 brutal. And now it's really coming back to a head because like the the whole lineup right now, it's all right-handed. And Brian Cashman you know, you had a left-handed shortstop who you and I both really, really love. Yes. Now he's gone, and now you're stuck having to play Brian McCann in the outfielder. And let's be honest, the only reason he's starting these days anymore, and as much as we love Gardner, is because he's a left-handed hitter. Yep. Not so much because, like, you know, he's a Yankee legend and they love him. It's it's because of the lack of depth in that lineup. I, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, all these injuries are the reason why. Like, he's This year was supposed to be his last year. Just let him be a guy on the bench who could fill in. He's now he's expected to be like an everyday starter because of the lack of outfielders we have. And like, obviously, you know, Mike Talkman hasn't been hitting tremendously since he got traded to the Giants, but defensively he's been amazing. He played great in left, center, and right. Why do we give up this guy for, for nothing? We give for like a lefty reliever. We have plenty of those. We didn't need that. If you're going to trade Talkman, just get some value. I mean, yeah, I mean, I love Gardner, but this is just, you know, you're asking this guy to now be an everyday starter. And Odor, who just because he's a lefty, He's our starting second baseman most of the time. He's only getting at bats because he's a lefty. Just a lack of lefty bats is just just really bad in this lineup. So now we have another comment coming up. And, uh, Tom, I, th- I see somebody in the peanut gallery for you. Your buddy it's Aaron Judge. Let's go Nationals. If you guys remember, I have a friend who apparently people say he looks like Aaron Judge. That's Tom. I think Tom and Hank both met him. 
Yes. Call me Hal. Yeah. He it's lives okay. down in he lives down in Vir- in Virginia now. So apparently we got to root for the Nationals. I mean, look, Tom, Dom's with you. Dom will root for every team in the NL East. That's not the Mets. So, <laughs> by the way, the Mets are only two games back. Exactly. The Mets have, the Nets uh, have been Tom. red hot. They, their offense has been great. Trey Turner hitting for the cycle yesterday. It, they've been. They've been tough out, and they were they looked dead at the beginning of the season too, like yeah. we were talking about before. Scherzer, you see what Paul just did. Trade market. Yes, I did see what Paul just did there. So Paul just did that. That was amazing. Yes, I. Love I don't. That. I don't think Paul realized what he just did. I don't think I don't realize at all. I just. <laughs> oh, I think he kind of knew. He just hitting for the cycle. What's the name of this show? Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's like when everybody anyone says three and D on my show too, they always. And uh, that that one time that Andy was on my show, I said, let's hop to the next segment. And (laughs) I don't even catch myself doing it, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny. It's funny, though, that Tom just mentioned the Nationals or as I like to call him. He's a lookalike sans the gap tooth. But anyways, um, In any event, the Nationals, I'm going to be honest with you guys, this was a team that I low-key thought was going to be a sneaky threat in the NL East before the season. Like, I know this might surprise you, but I actually had the Mets in third behind the Nationals. I thought maybe the Mets would be competing for a wild card. Not that they weren't good enough to win the division. I just think being in the NL East with the Braves, I thought the Braves would be a lot better, and I thought the Nationals with their pitching staff of season veterans, Scherzer, Lester, Strasburg, I thought they would be better. But then again, I'm not really that surprised that the Nationals are starting to like heat up again because remember, they have a habit of doing this. Two years ago, they started off 19 and 31. Everyone thought that team was dead. That bullpen blew a lot of games for them down the stretch during that season. And look what happened to them. They won the World Series. It's true. It's true. It's all it's all beginning hot at the right time, too. And they're starting to heat up. It's very similar to what they did in 2019 when they looked dead halfway through the season and they started heating up in Soto. Uh, started going off and be, became basically the player that he is now in 2019. And he had that amazing playoff run that aided them to the World Series. It's true. You know, they, you can't, you got to watch out for them. The Braves, on the other hand, I feel like are in a lot of trouble because they have a lot of pitching issues. You know, their starting pitching is dead. You know, Soroka, terrible what happened. He's not going to be back again until next year, maybe. You know, could be out until the, the end of next year. And then they got Enoa, who was pitching great, who went down. They haven't been able to keep up a consistent rotation. Their bullpen's been up and down. You know, they've had guys who have been going through some good stretches. And, then, you know, they could really be using Mark Melanson right now. That is the, that's a guy they should have signed back. But it's the Braves the Braves are in a bit of trouble. The Mets have been aided by our pitching. You know, our pitching has been amazing. Diaz has been the Seattle Mariners, Edwin Diaz, you know, he's been unbelievable. Tyler McGill's come up and has made two great starts. You guys are going to see him on Sunday Love against him. the Yankees. He's uh, great. Sh- shares your birthday. He's one of my favorite Mets, July 28th, 1995. You know, he's, he's been amazing. And everything that they've been touching besides last night, you know, has, has gone amazing. And except for the offensive and is made up for the offensive woes. And when we went, through that win streak that got us to first place, we had the replacement guys like Billy McKinney, and all of them were hitting out of their minds, and now they come back down to earth. So we're so we're lacking a little bit. Nimmo's on his way back. J.D. Davis and Jonathan VR are starting rehab assignments. Syracuse. Uh, 
down in Syracuse. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Familia starting a rehab assignment. So we're going to, so hopefully very, very soon we're going to be back to close to full strength. Neato too. Neato too. Yeah. yeah that little too. wrist contusion. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but honestly, I, I kind of, I like Mazika as the back. I do too. So I, do too. I, uh, I mean, I love Neato too, like as a, cause he's a good defender and he's been hitting a bit, but I don't mind Mazika being up. But let me just say one thing uh, on that game last night. I'm not going to harp on that 20 to two loss. Yes. I mean, you lost a lot of guys in the starting rotation. Yamamoto, Luchezzi, Carrasco, Senegar. That's a lot of names. Giselman now is going to be out for a while. But last night was more of like the bullpen has been so gassed lately, guys. I mean, David Peterson is having a bad sophomore slump, to put it in respectful terms, right? And that and yeah. that's being nice. Right. Um, Shapucky, Reed Foley, you can't blame these guys so much because the bullpen is so depleted. I mean, last night was bound to happen at some point. You won't see this happening again anytime soon. So my level of concern coming off a 20-2 to two loss is not as high as maybe your average Mets fan. Yeah, me, same with me. The, you know, a lot, a good chunk of those, what did Al Mora gave up five of those runs too? The game was, the game was, <laughs> over, the, the, the game was over in the fourth inning was eight to two. We knew we, it was over by then. They just added on like 12 extra runs basically. So it was, you know, kind of just pet stat padding. Ozzy Albies went five for six. He got like, he got, he hit a home run off of, uh, off Al Mora. So, you know, he just padded the stats a little bit. You know, yeah. all power to him, but. See if they saved any runs for tonight. So, in other words, the Braves basically pulled the Buddy Ryan by like running up the scoreboard, and not to mention the one bright side was at least you didn't have anybody on the Mets getting throwing a three and zero pitch, somebody hitting home run, and then any Braves yeah. manager saying, "Hey, don't do that." But you know that that's a rant for another day that I've already done a few episodes ago. I know, Paul, you probably remember that one very well, well of but. Course. In any event, yeah, I I tend to agree with you. I don't really think the Mets are in as bad shape as like they seem to be. I know the pitching's depleted. I think I think the worst part of the pitching was losing Lucchese because I know he got off to a rough start, but over the past five starts he had, I believe his ERA was one point one nine. No, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the last few starts to lose him to Tommy John surgery at at the time that they did. I think that was a really crushing blow as well. Yeah, it was. And the only thing is, and this is kind of actually a good problem to have, who gets sent down when these guys start to come back, right? Paul mentioned earlier, Nimmo, uh, Davis are both returning soon, uh, Vilar as well. Who's going to go down? I'd imagine Blankenhorn. Peraza is going to have to go down at some point. Mazzico, they're not going to carry three catchers. So when Nito comes back, Mazzico's going back down. Do... McKinney and the other guy they brought up both stay. Well, that's Blankenhorn has options, so he'll get sent down. He'll get sent down. Uh, Peraza actually does have options too, and same with Almora. So both that's that's the other guy. Both Peraza and Almora, I would imagine, get sent back down. I would imagine McKinney stays on the team because he's played great defense and he can and he's been hitting so much. But Almora has been a an awful hitter and has been playing good defense, but it doesn't make yeah. up for how terrible he's been hitting. So I think that Elmore gets sent down when these guys become healthy. 
you know, when Nimmo comes back up, I think Elmore gets sent down. When Davis and VR come back up, Blank and Horn and Peraza get sent back down. You know, that's that's probably how it's going to go. Yep. So now another comment I want to get in. John Rankin says, I'm out. He's getting busy with Lyft. I want to say thank you, John, for bombing the comments with a lot of funny stuff. That's that's great. And I love, by the way, to anyone else who's watching the show, please, if you want to have any other comments, do not hesitate to leave them there. I love getting to interact with you guys. I love hearing your thoughts and opinions on this current baseball season, particularly the Yankees and the Mets right now. And um, Dom, I think it's time to ask you a really tough question right now. Is it time for the Yankees to blow it up or are we overreacting? I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I wouldn't blow the entire team up, but I think it doesn't hurt to listen to offers. I think you should definitely listen to see if anyone's interested in, I mean, despite Chapman's recent implosion, he still holds tremendous value. There's right. going to be teams out there that if they can get Chapman, give up a couple of prospects and have Chapman for like, like for example, let's say the Padres were to get Chapman. I mean, obviously Melance has been great. You could also have that type of depth in your in your bullpen. I mean, that makes them instantly really scary. They already have the rotation. They already have the lineup. You add a guy a really dominant like bullpen arm like Chabin. Like I think you know we could probably get good prospects in a trade like that. And the Padres have still a tremendous farm system. I think it's you definitely have to listen to offers. I wouldn't blow up the entire team though. Well, knowing AJ Preller, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a big splash move to help. I wouldn't either. To help the Yankees because he he's getting look at how many players he's gotten rid of and acquired over the past few years. It's actually it's actually a lot, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I think he has the record for most players acquired and traded over the past four or five years. But in any event, yeah, I think definitely they have to listen. But I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to blowing out because, in my honest opinion, I just don't know if this core is working and. The problem with the Yankees is the way they are. I don't. I don't really know if you're going to get better. I don't know if you you can automatically make any move that's going to like just lift you over the top and win the division. Because you look at the big problem, it's not. You got a really tough division. Like Boston yeah. is has won 50 games right now. Whether whether that can be sustained or not, I don't really know for sure. I'm going to say maybe, but I don't trust them. I don't really either, but then again, eight and a half games is a lot. Yeah, and the Rays that speaks for the, itself. The Tampa Bay Rays are always going to be a threat. They're no amazing. They do it every year. Like low payroll, they just figure it out. Yeah, I don't care that they're in a slump right now. We're five games behind them, and to put it to be, I'm going to be blunt. We can't even beat the teams in, in our division, not name the Baltimore Orioles. That's a problem, and even even Toronto too. Like, they're they're still a huge threat. Yeah. That offense is very scary, and their their pitching is pretty solid. Robbie oh, Ray, absolutely. I think if the Toronto Blue Jays can get <laughs> one, Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray. <laughs> Hold on. Two years ago, Dom was obsessed with Robbie Ray. I think <laughs> all I heard for weeks was the Yankees need to get Robbie Ray, and it would help. Standing, he's. I mean, he's striking out like nine, ten batters a game. Guys. I remember that. That was the twenty nineteen. Uh, Trade deadline. Yes. With and we were and all, we got Strowman. That's when we were all refreshing our social media, waiting to see when yeah. Zach Wheeler was going to get traded, and it didn't yep. happen. He probably should have traded them. But yeah, they would have been better off doing that. I agree. But well, we should have resigned them instead. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the Philly, it seemed like the Phillies were completely overpaid him. The Phillies have overpaid a lot of guys, yeah. but that, that contract is really working out for them. I'll give them a lot of credit. We'll see if it, it continues, but it's, 
he's he's been he's been amazing with the Phillies. Yeah, Wheeler is probably one of the few good contracts I think the Phillies have signed. If I'm being honest, but other otherwise, it just seems like they threw money all over their lineup, and then you look at their bullpen that that's leaky. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, it's so bad. Not as hard about it. Bad. A team with that on paper has this much talent should be better than mediocre, but I think it really tells you the problems that that organization has. And um, another thing I want to bring up, speaking of which, trade proposals. Paul, I'm going to start with you. What would be your ideal trade proposal for the Mets? Well, I realistically, I would love Jose Barrios. Um, it's going to cost you a ton. I would. I think that. You're probably going to have to throw in either a Matt Allen, Brett Beatty, or I mean, Brett Beatty's off the. He's untouchable. I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think the Mets have any interest in trading him, and and you know, the which is good. But Matt Allen, um, Mark Vientos, there's Ronnie Mauricio. The you're going to have to throw one of those guys in for a Jose Barrios. But you know, there's other names out there too, like Mike Miner could be a good one because he can come out of the bullpen. He can give you long relief. He can be a starter. There's, there's a lot of things that he can do uh, that, you know, I think that it would be re- that could be really good for the team. Danny Duffy. Um, I met I, Danny Duffy. I didn't mean Mike Miner. I meant Danny Duffy. That was, that was who I met on the Royals, but yeah. Um, you know, I think that Danny Duffy could be really good. There's a lot of a lot of pitching mostly is what I'm looking at because the only problem is I don't really know too many stars that are gonna be out there that are that are available that are really gonna, you know, be worth trading. Because the way that we designed this team too, there isn't really many openings in our lineup. You know, we do the guys we have need to start hitting. That's the bottom line. You know, we can't, it's like Trevor Story's out there available. We're not going to trade for Trevor Story. We just gave Francisco Lindor a 10 year contract. So it's like, if we're going to make a big move at the deadline, it's probably going to be for another starting pitcher because of the amount of starting pitching injuries that we have. But so I would love to see Barrios. We probably have to throw in a Vientos or Mauricio, though, for it. Now, what would you think of the idea of adding a guy like an Adam Frazier? Because he can play second, he can play outfield. He's one of the he's one of the best hitters in the league, but nobody talks about him because obviously he's stuck with the Pirates. Oh, I would love Adam Frazier, but he's probably going to be an All Star this year, and he's going to. I think he's going to be worth a good amount. The Pirates might demand a pretty decent amount. Him and Brian Reynolds are like their two most valuable pieces on offense right now with the Pirates, and they're so far down under that they're going to either want to build around them or they're going to want to trade them for a lot to try to jumpstart their rebuild. So I feel like that's another piece, but it would be a good piece though. I mean, you know, when Merrifield too, the Royals have kind of plummeted down under, they were playing well this season and they kind of fell back down. So is when Merrifield going to be available? Um, there's, there's a lot of good names and, you know, Witt plays every day, could play second, could play center field. Uh, you know, the, the Mets could use, Another good center fielder, you know, Kevin Pollard is really our only pure center fielder. Almora too, but Almora isn't really hitting. But uh, yeah, I think you know a guy like that could be great, but it's it's going to cost a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how how much. If it's if if you can get one of these top guys though for Vien- for Mauricio, I would throw Mauricio in with a few low level prospects. 
Um, I would prefer not to trade Vientos, and I prefer not to trade Batty, and definitely not Alvarez. I don't think Alvarez or Batty are even touchable. Those are like our two gems right now in our minor leagues. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Dom, we've talked about Whit Merrifield a lot. I think we're probably some of the few people who truly appreciate how good Whit Merrifield really is. I mean, you look at his name over every single year. He's always among the league leaders in stolen bases. Yep. His batting average is pretty high, too. You think? What would you think if, if the Yankees could somehow find a way to acquire him? I mean, I love Whit Merrifield. He does, he does everything. He it's very well. It plays good defense. You could stick him in the outfield. You could play second base. Um, the only thing is the Royals. There's a reason why they never trade him. The, the organization loves him. If they're going to trade him, they're going to ask for a lot in return. So I don't see the Yankees acquiring with Merrifield because of how much he would cost, but I would love him on my team. Now, if you were Brian Cashman or if you were the GM of the Yankees in general, what would your whole plan be to fix the Yankees? That's tough. I don't think there's there's no simple fix. There's no, I mean, it's it's tough to solve because you're kind of in a in a spot where you're giving so many guys, you're paying a lot of guys so much money. You don't really, you know, Judge is getting up there in age. Um, he's going to be a free agent soon, um, and he's like the face of this team. Gary Cole gave him so much money too. Um, I don't think I think what you have you would have to do is. This team needs to have a much more balanced lineup, have more guys that could hit like DJ. If we could get a guy like Adam Frazier, that would be great. Once again, though, another guy is going to cost a lot. I don't see them making that trade because of the value. But they just this team needs more guys that could hit for contact and obviously more left-handed bats that could give you some quality. Yeah, I would prefer somebody like an Adam Frazier over, say, a Trevor Story or maybe a Kettle Marte. And it, it's not that I don't necessarily – like those types of acquisitions. It's just that like, let's put it this way. Adam Frazier is a guy who can stay healthy. I don't really trust that with Kettle Marte and Trevor Story. So, and I want a guy who's going to be consistently among the league leaders in batting average shoot. Like I've said numerous times, I don't like the way the current Yankees lineup is constructed. Like Mm -hmm. too many right-handed hitters, not enough lefties, too much emphasis on the home run and, Look where that's really gotten them over the past few years. And uh, it begs a question from Adam Rothschild. Odds the Yankees make the playoffs. Honestly, I'm going to be blunt with you, Adam. I, it's not too high because, as I said, yeah. it's it's not a fundamentally sound team. I know I've been saying this rant like a million times on this show, but not only is it not fundamentally sound with like the home run or bust approach, they're not great with fielding. Like they're they've been pretty high among the league lead in the errors. Base running is atrocious. Like, Terrible. How do you get thrown out running the bases like twice <laughs> as much as the average team? That can't happen. Yeah. Like, and you have too many guys getting thrown out of the plate. That's not a fundamentally sound team. You're telling me I gotta trust this team to make up eight and a half games in first place and probably more for the wild card. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like too negative and too much of a Debbie Downer. I just, I can't even pretend to be like too optimistic. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. And besides, besides DJ and judge, I mean, and obviously Sanchez right now is on a hot streak and that will eventually stop. We all know how Sanchez is a little cold again, but there's just be just DJ and judge are the only guys who are really reliable bats in the lineup. 
And honestly, including uh, Gio Urshela. Other than that, everyone else is just so hit or miss. And you know what the worst part about Judge is? You know there's a low chance that they're re-signing him, too. I hate to say it. Because you're, you're already committed enough to Stanton. And don't even get me started on that one. You've already committed $324 million to Garrett Cole. You've already committed a lot of money to so many other guys. I don't know how you're going to be able to re-sign Judge. And it, brings, it begs the question. Should they listen to offers for Judge? I'm not necessarily opposed to that as much as I love Aaron Judge. Because I agree. As great as he is, we also know he hasn't had the best history with injuries either. Yeah, I could. I think they should at least obviously listen to offers this year and just see what kind of package that a team could throw at. I know. I know the Angels already were trying to discuss with Cashman on a possible trade with Judge, and that would make sense. But I think. If Judge were, if we were to tra- trade Judge, I think regardless, he ends up in California. He's a, he's from California. It makes a ton of sense. I, I could see him already in a Giants or Angels uniform, honestly. Yeah, it makes sense. But I'd be too, honestly. Hopefully, I, re- I could see him. I could see him the not Giants. the Angels. Hopefully, for his sake, it's the Giants, not the Angels, because we've seen the way that Artie Marino spends money. He's another guy that will f- spend money and get names just to try to make the team look like they're watchable but then when you see the product on that field it's not great and look at and they're wasting seasons of Mike Trout and Shohei and speaking of Mike Trout seeing him hurt really stinks yeah yeah at least Otani's there to help out he's been tremendous he's been really to watch one thing i can't believe you guys are actually having this discussion about trading judge the guy has hit 3 home runs over the past week and I'm just glad this side of the screen is not having the same discussion, um, Paul, because usually it's the other way around. We're looking to blow it up. We're not. I mean, you know, I but for your sake, I think Aaron Judge needs to be a priority. I, I hate to say it, but I don't think you should deal him. I think you have to find a way to re-sign him, right? I mean, Cashman has to live up to his name one way or another, and we'll see what he does in the Subway Series this weekend, which – yeah, I know we're going to talk about shortly. Wait, but. wait, 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 hold up. Did you just say Cashman has to live up to his name one way or another? Yeah. Tom, you know that hasn't always been the case, right? Well, his name is Cashman. Yeah. Okay. He does have cash. Yeah. I, I just had to – I just thought I had to bring that up just to get that reality set in. But Yes, to clarify, we're talking about the cash. Cash, not – Yeah. Right, right, right. Cold yeah. heart cash. Going back to Judge, too, I mean, I, I've talked to Paul about this before, too. If he finishes off his last year on his contract and he's, you know, batting way over 300 with 50-plus bombs, the guy's going to want a 10-year deal, maybe an over 300 mil. If we're paying Stanton and Cole, we can't, I don't think we can do that. I don't think it would financially right. make any sense. Yeah. So, no, especially with, too, especially with the way, brands wanting to stay under the, the uh, luxury tax. And that's what they yeah. want to do all the time. Now, uh, and by the way, let me make it. Let me make this clear to Adam Rothschild and my mom, who both are very against what we're saying right now. Dom, the idea is, I'm not saying the Yankees need to just go out and trade Aaron Judge at all costs. That's not what I'm suggesting. I want it. I want to keep Judge for a long time. I'm just saying it's going to be hard to do so, and I've been saying this since like it's going to be very hard. The end of yeah. 2019. This isn't Pretty anything nice. new that I'm saying. Like, and the problem is, like, are you? Is he going to cost too much? And let's put it this way: if you're looking for, if you're like, if you have a house that you like, but you know you can do better, but someone offers you a good price for it, 
you'd take it. And in that situation, if Brian Cashman isn't necessarily trying to sell Aaron Cash to Aaron Judge, but somebody wants to like, you know, make him a good offer or a godfather like offer that he can't refuse. If he were smart, he'd take that offer. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I am not in any way saying the Yankees absolutely have to trade Aaron Judge like it's the main priority. Like I, I just I'm just like trying to play devil's advocate and see what would help like how the Yankees can like somehow avoid paying hang him and like you know dealing with other contracts. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean if there's if there's an offer out there and we're still like in, in a really bad spot and we're going to get like the entire farm from like the Padres or something. I mean, you can't really say no to that. I don't see them saying no to that, you know? Exactly my point. And now I think before we wrap up the show, it's time we get to the subway series itself. And that would be, we got three games this weekend. First games tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Here's hoping the weather can hold up for that. But we got, Jordan Montgomery going up against Taiwan Walker. I was kind of hoping that this would be a, um, a Garrett Cole versus Jacob DeGrom matchup, as does Ben Cruz. And uh, how's it going, Ben? Thank you for checking in, by the way. Um, I I don't know how this is going to go. This could go either way. Jordan Montgomery has had some pretty good starts, but he's been pretty up and down, as that 406 ERA indicates. Tom, I'm going to start with you. What's your thoughts on this game? Well, Taiwan Walker has been our second best pitcher behind the Grom this year. Um, I, I think he's pitched better than Stroman, actually. I think he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, I really like this addition. It was a very cost-effective move by the Mets. It wasn't, you know, a typical Band-Aid signing that they went out and got. I'm actually, again, totally unbiased. I'm going to give the Mets the advantage because I really like Taiwan Walker and what he brings to the table. The pitching has been a huge concern for the Yankees, especially because – now, Montgomery's start was supposed to be tonight. Cole was supposed to pitch tomorrow. Now that's not happening. Now Montgomery has to wait an extra day to pitch. So I think that's going to affect him a little bit in the early innings where mm-hmm. the Mets can get to him. My one concern, though, about that matchup tomorrow night is um, Taiwan Walker being able to go you know, six innings at least because the Mets bullpen has been very fragile to say the least. And that's my concern. The Mets having a a small lead early on, and then the Yankees bats coming back in the late innings to, you know, pick and claw. Yeah, I can see that. I'm really iffy about this game myself. Dom, how do you feel from a Yankee perspective? I mean, with Monty, it's either you're going to get like really good quality start or he's just going to just not pitch well at all. Um, but I think for for uh, for him, this is a good lineup to be against. It's not too explosive. I think um, I'm hoping he has a decent game. I, I think I think he'll have a decent start. And uh, how about you, Paul? Uh, I think the Mets will. The Mets are going to do well. I think they're going to hit him hard. Uh, they're going to come out. They we we hit well against lefties too. Nimmo will be back. Nimmo might not play against the lefty, but Nimmo is slated to come back tomorrow. So we should have him for the series this weekend, but we got, I think that, you know, Pete's been on a tear. He's got to really watch out for Pete Lindor um, has been, has been up and down this season, but I think playing at Yankee stadium too, will make, will make things interesting. You know, it'll benefit. I, I highly expect a Billy McKinney home run. 
<laughs> this weekend, <laughs> this weekend. <laughs> because that's literally the kind of that's literally the kind of player he is. Like he's he's like a slashing kind of player. He's going to hit one over this small fence in right field. I already I can already picture it. Paul, do you want to know the sad thing about that prediction? He's done it at Yankee Stadium as a Yankee before. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes true. Old yeah. Yankees coming back to haunt their new team. It's just like what I see with all my teams. I see ex-Rangers, random ex-Rangers who didn't really do well there, coming back to score goals against us. Random ex-Yankees coming back and killing us in a three-game series. Like, I, the sad thing is, I'm just I wouldn't even be that surprised. I can't even pretend I'm surprised if that happens. Yeah. Uh, the second game, that's a game that if I wasn't planning on going on a Friday, as Ben Cruz was asking in the comments. I probably would have gone to Saturday's game as well, but I generally don't like doing a day game after a night game. That's a little too excessive, but that's a good pitching matchup too, by the way. Marcus Stroman against Garrett Cole. Real pitcher's duel. Hey, if we couldn't get Garrett Cole against Jacob DeGrom, this is probably the second best option there is. And um, I'm going to straight up start this off right right off the bat and say I think the Yankees win this game. I know Stroman's been a bit hit or miss lately, and I think I know Cole's been struggling, but – Odds are, I think he's going to bounce back. And while his stuff might be not be as good as he's been in the past few games, I think Garrett Cole's a smart pitcher, and I think he'll adjust. So I think, at the very least, the Yankees will win this game in the series. There, so I don't see a sweep happening. And, um, Paul, I'm going to start with you. How do you feel about this matchup? Uh, I'm going to go with the Mets again. I'm going to say that they win this one. I, I think that they – they're going to come out hot against Cole. Cole has not been the same pitcher the last few outings. Uh, you know, since they started cracking down on it, his breaking ball has been has not been the same. Uh, the breaking ball is is what's been destroying the Mets, as we saw Charlie Morton destroying them two nights ago, basically with his curveball. They they've been so off with the, the off speed pitches, especially Dom Smith, who was destroying off speed pitches all last season. He's had such a tough time this year, but I think I'm going to be caught. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say Stroman comes back with a little chip on his shoulder. He had a bad outing his last outing. He's been going through a lot this past week uh, with his grandmother dying. And uh, you know, he was on the restricted list and stuff. I think he's going to come back out. This is a big, big Mets Yankees. This is, would this be his first Mets Yankees? This is his first subway series. Oh, well, not including last year. Uh, yeah, I think it is because if I remember correctly, the yeah. Subway Series had already happened by the time he had come to the Mets in uh, 2019, no? Yeah, it, that's what I thought. But not including 2020 since there's no fans, it really doesn't count. But Yeah, it was because uh, 2019, there was a brief four-game series, two at Yankee Stadium, two at City Field. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was the earlier in the season before July when we traded for yeah, him. Yeah, no, but, he, uh, he wasn't on the Mets at that point. I think Stroman's going to be strong. I I'm going to be optimistic about it and say that the Mets have the edge on Saturday. So Ben Cruz has a comment. He says, "I'm shocked. I'm shocked. My Red Sox were able to match Cole Sunday. Well, so am I, obviously, but not for the same reasons you are. Big things for the Mets: be aggressive early on its fastballs. Cole's secondary stuff is lethal. Yeah, that's pretty accurate, I would say. And uh, Dom, are you and I on the same boat about Garrett Cole? I see, I think this is going to be a pitcher's duel. I think. Strowman is just such a tricky pitcher. I'm concerned going up against him. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Strowman is going to shut down this lineup. I think Cole will have a good game. I, I actually would give the edge to the Mets in this game. You know, before I get to you, Tom, I, there is one thing I forgot to mention. 
here's where I'm concerned about this game. Let's not forget, Marcus Stroman wanted to go to the Yankees, and Brian Cashman, the one of those times where he probably shouldn't have opened his mouth, said, oh, we didn't need Marcus Stroman. Our rotation was just fine without him, whereas Marcus Stroman tweeted afterwards his ERA compared to a lot of the Yankees' ERA, and you know that motivation is going to go through his head. So that's where my concern is. Tom, how about your thoughts on game two? Well, trying to be optimistic as possible, but the Mets haven't won a Subway Series since 2013. I was a senior in high school. That's how long ago it was. (laughs) Um, Not to mention the Mets have only won three Subway Series since the turn of the century. So to see them winning back-to-back games at Yankee Stadium, since I do have them winning on Friday, means I'm going to have them losing on Saturday. However, I do agree to an extent with what Paul and Dom are saying about hitting off of Garrett Cole. Um, I I don't necessarily think that he's going to have as much success as people think. Um, It may not be a pitcher's duel. Um, You know, I I think it may take a while for Garrett Cole to get settled in. Uh, Stroman, you know, pitching with a chip on his shoulder. So, I mean, with that being said, I'm going to go Yanks on Saturday, but I'm not fully confident in that either. I mean, again, either of these first two games can go either way. Right now, both teams are kind of struggling. So, you know, it's yeah. kind of tough to predict these games until, you, you know, you see these guys out on the mound and in the field. Yeah. You never and know which Mets or Yankees team you're going to get on any given day. Yep. Yeah. And as John Sterling says, well, Susan, you can't predict baseball. But in any event, let's get to the third game. Uh, the last game of the series, I know, Paul, this is the guy you're really excited about. Magill, I think is his name. He's starting. Yeah, and uh, I don't know who's pitching for the Yankees. It says to be determined. Um, I oh, see as much as I want to pick the Yankees in this game, and I think I probably will. Here's what concerned me. Whenever there's a new pitcher that comes up that the Yankees aren't familiar with, that's one of their biggest weaknesses. Like yeah. I've seen it many a time year after year. I want to say the Yankees win a close one, but I can't say it with a lot of confidence. Dom, are you are you and I on the same page here? Yeah, I agree with you completely. When it's a new guy, you have, don't have much on him. They always seem to struggle. So, I mean, that's going to be such a wild card kind of game. I don't really know what to expect. I don't know this guy that well. Um, we'll see. I really can't make um, a prediction. I don't know. I don't know much about this pitcher. I'm going to I'm going to say that the Yankees take this one just because I'm not going to predict a Mets sweep. I'm going to say the Mets take two out of three. But I think McGill, third career start, you know, he might come into Yankee Stadium. There, there could be a good chance they hit him around a little bit. You know, he um, getting used to the new with dimensions too. He's never pitched at the Yankee Stadium before. I could see that happening. But again, you know, you never know what kind of offense you're going to get from the Yankees. So he might, you know, he could either, I feel like he could either go out there and give up, you know, five, six runs, or he can go out there and pitch seven shutout innings. You, you really have no idea. And last but not least, we go to you, Tom. Tyler McGill. Um, yeah. Third career start. Buddy. Yes. Uh, my birthday buddy, third career start, uh, first career win. That's how I'm going to have uh-huh. it. Going. Okay. Um, okay. Let's take two out of three. However, Nobody's won a Subway Series since 2017. It's been a tie the last three years, guys. So no, is, 2020 is, was. Um, oh no, yeah, you're right. What am I saying? Is this the year that we get a make or break and somebody finally wins the Subway Series? Like this is it. So, somebody's got to pull away yeah, here. I'm like enough with this even level baseball playing. Somebody stake their claim. <laughs> 
for New York baseball. I mean, come on, guys. It, it, something's got to give. I have the Mets winning two out of three with McGill getting his first career win. Yeah, Subway Series. Well, to be fair, Subway Series usually in a tie. Like, as I said, I think the Yankees will win two out of three in this series. I think they'll probably win this game. I just don't know if it's going to be a blowout like people think. And I think they'll probably win the Garrett Cole game. I, again, because because the games can go either way, I'm just I can't say it with 100 percent confidence. That's by the point. way, not to cut you off, but Michael King is slated to start Sunday, so I don't know if that changes anybody's opinion on that outcome. Oh boy, that'd be kind of bad. That's according to um, MLB. It says McGill and King. Oh, thanks for reminding me. The Mets are down three to one right now against the Braves. Uh, yeah. It's going to be McGill and King on Sunday. So that's a crapshoot, quite frankly. See why I'm not too confident picking these, and I see Adam Rothschild's giving me a hard time. I think McGill is better. I mean, (laughs) that's just my opinion. I mean, look, I think think he he wins, man. I I like what I've seen from him the first couple of starts, you know? A lot of promise in that kid. I I like him a lot, too. Isn't he a lefty, too, by the way? No, he's He's a righty. He's a righty. Okay. And by the way, before I head out, I want to point give point out an Alec Walt comment. He says he's a big Jared Walsh fan. Well, yeah, of course he's probably just saying that to troll us because he's a Red Sox fan. But in any event, I did end up mentioning his name on the first show that I appeared with Alec Walt on Down the Block Sports. I mean, we talked about Albert Pujols uh, being released and uh, Jared and Walsh being waiting in the wings and why we thought that the Angels made the smart decision to let Albert Pujols go because Jared, Jared Walsh is a pretty good option. He's and speaking of, speaking of Alec Walt, definitely check out his channel, Down the Block Sports. Really good stuff. He really he knows his baseball, not just baseball, a lot of other sports. Definitely give him a check out. And um, guys, before I wrap this up, is there any other um, is there any other thoughts you have before I end this? Let not the really. Team win. Yeah, let the best team win. And I think what's going to be really interesting is they meet again at City Field on the weekend of the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. So that, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That's going to be the big series. They're going yes. to be, uh, That's going to be the big one to watch out for. I'm excited for that. Really excited for that. We all got to go to those games. We do. Definitely. Yeah. I already sure. know I'm going to get my tickets for that series eventually when that pops up because when it comes to – I mean, generally speaking, when I get my tickets, I usually tend to get them the day of. But when it comes to the Subway Series, you can't wait. You got to, like, get them while they're hot. Yeah. So, anyways, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on to this show. I had a lot of fun talking baseball, just like on this show, as I do in real life. Thank you so much. This has been something, as I said, I've been looking forward to doing pretty much since both when the show came into fruition and since the start of this baseball season, and I'm looking to having you guys on some more episodes and Hey, maybe we do this again later on in September when our teams rematch, hopefully both of us are fighting for a playoff spot by the time this happens. But again, I don't know. I may, I may have been a little too pessimistic unlike Tom, which usually it's the opposite, but again, well, well, at least when it comes to baseball, but in any event, Thank you guys so much for coming on. And I, before I sign off, I would like to remind you guys once again, please give us a follow on all of our forms of social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
you name it. And of course, please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You have watched another episode of Hitting for the Cycle. Next week, we will have a special Monday episode for you review, uh, recapping the Subway Series. And until next week, I'm Hank Addictor signing off, and I will see you next week.